Well, some of you who've been, uh, who were back here back in the day will remember I like to start off a sermon, if I can, with a funny story. It didn't necessarily connect with the sermon, but I still like to start that way. This one does connect, so, uh, and it's an old one, so you've heard this story, so just remember it with me and then laugh at the end. Is that all right? Yeah. So it's about um, uh, a guy who went to the most negative barber you ever met, but so he went to the barber, and he was getting the haircut, and as they were talking, he said uh, to the barber, hey, I'm going to go to Italy. Oh, my gosh, why do you want to go to Italy? Why would you go there? How are you going to get there? You're going to go by a ship? No, I'm flying. Oh, you, you don't want to fly. You know what the airlines are like these days? I mean, it's, it's bumpy. You're never on time. You may get canceled. The food is horrible. Don't, no, I'm going to fly. He said, okay, then you're, where are you going? I'm going to Rome. Oh, what a pathetically dirty city. Why would you want to go to Rome? He said, no, I'm going to Rome, and um, what are you going to do there? Well, I'm going to go to the Vatican, I'm going to see the Pope. Right, yeah, the chance of you seeing the Pope, that little thing up there in the... So he goes and comes back, about a month later, he's getting his hair cut, and the barber says, well, how was... I bet the trip was horrible, wasn't it? He said, oh, no, man, it was the best trip ever. How was the plane flight, terrible? No, smooth as silk, I mean, it was amazing. The food was awesome, and it was on time, and... Landed nicely. I know, but then when you got to Rome, it was really awful. No, oh gosh, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful week when I was there. The sun was shining all the time. The Colosseum was amazing. Forum was outstanding. Got a private tour of the Sistine Chapel. Really? Well, and when you got to see the Pope, I mean, he's way up there in that little window. Did you see him? Did he even know you were there? Oh, no, I got a private, I got a private, uh, what do you call it, audience with the Pope. Really? Really? Well, what did he do? He said, well, he came over and I was sitting, he had me sit down, put his hands on my head. Oh my gosh, what did he say? Put his hands on my head and he said, where did you get that awful haircut? (laughs) (laughs) You're good, you're a good crowd, wow. So, well, Billy, it wasn't that funny, but at any rate, uh, yeah. Well, I tell that story, the negative barber, because when I talk to a lot of people these days, when I talk to a lot of people, so many people of all ages, what they're saying is that so much of current Christianity, stay with me now, so much of current Christianity is like the barber, so negative, anti-this, anti-that, anti-inclusion, anti-differences, mean, judgmental. Who's in? Who's out? I mean, it goes, it's been around a long time. Remember 19, you don't remember 1927, but uh, 1927, Mahatma Gandhi said this, I like your Christ. I don't like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. So the sad truth is, because it's sad because Christianity at its heart is the most positive, most affirming, most upbeat, most yes-oriented religion in the world. And yet young people are leaving the church in droves because of this understanding, this impression, this portrayal of Christianity that is so negative, so unlike who Jesus is. And Christianity is so positive from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Last week, Marissa shared with you that great Hebrew word tov, which means good. And so in the 
creation story, on the first day, God said it was tov, it was good. The second day, it was good. The third day, it was good. The fourth day, it was good. The fifth day, it was good. The sixth day, it was tov ma'ov. It was very good when God created you and me, when he created humanity. And the book of Revelation ends, the last chapter is this beautiful heavenly city, the river of life flowing through it and trees of healing for the nations all around it. And smack dab in the middle is this amazing person called Jesus of Nazareth who lived and breathed life into a dying world and gave himself. I mean, it was just, how could we screw it up so bad? <laughs> I mean, Jesus, who taught and lived and said some of the most beautiful, powerful things at its heart. Christianity is a relationship with Jesus. It's a deep connection with God that brings peace and presence. It's a yes and not a no. Our scripture highlights this in a powerful way. Here's the scripture from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. As surely, this is Paul saying, as surely as God is faithful, our word to you does not waver between yes and no. For Jesus Christ let this sink into you, friends. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, does not waver between yes and no, He's the one whom Silas, Timothy, and I preach to you, and as God's ultimate yes, He always does what He says. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes, and through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. How can we turn that into a negative? <laughs> Why would we do that? How can we do it? Or this paraphrase, the divine yes is at last sounded in him, for in Christ is the yes that affirms all the promises of God. Some of you are familiar with uh, E. Stanley Jones, one of our favorites, Jan and mine, and we read a lot of his devotional books. He was a world evangelist a lot of his life in India, and he, in age 85, had a stroke, and he still wrote a book, and it's called The Divine Yes. It's based on this scripture. Uh, I'm going to bring that book up right now since you've mentioned it right now. So the title of my sermon is this, The Power of Positive Believing. Many of you will remember Norman Vincent Peale. Any of you remember Norman Vincent Peale? Yeah. Brody, you don't, you don't know him, do you? No. How about Robert Schuller? No? Norman Vincent Peale, Power of Positive Thinking. Robert Schuller, Power of Possibility Thinking. And today, Brody, you're going to hear the power of positive believing, okay? By the way, didn't Brody do a good job leading the prayer time? Thanks, Brody. You're off to a good start when you keep a prayer short. That's what people like. Now, if I could just keep this sermon short, right? Did I, who said amen back there? So here's the book that Jan and I read a few months ago, and I thought, wow, if I ever get a chance to preach, I'm going to talk about this book because it's so powerful for where I am right now in my life. How your beliefs about aging determine how long and how well you live. How long and how well you live. So I've just turned, I'm 74, I'll turn 75, so this sermon today is unapologetically, unabashedly self-serving, okay? <laughs> when you're retired, you can do that. So... Uh, because, um, but it's not just for older people. Listen to this. Professor Levy's research shows that people who grew up with older, positive role models in their lives before the age of two were generally healthier in later life than peers who had negative people. So if you're a grandparent, be a positive role model for your children because it'll affect them. Here's another astounding thing. 
Young people, young people who have positive views of older people will themselves live healthier and longer lives. Did you catch that? Young people who have positive views of older people will live longer and healthier lives. You see, this really helps me understand that last part of the fifth commandment. The fifth commandment, you'll remember, is honor your father and your mother. You know that. Do you remember the second part of that commandment? The second part of that commandment is so that your days may be long and full. So Moses was saying the same thing that now Rebecca Levy, this professor from Yale who wrote the book, is saying. Here's a thought experiment. Let me ask you, what are the first three words, what are the first three words that come to your mind when you hear the word, the two words, old people? Just shout it out. First three words that come to your mind, one word that, when you hear the words old people. What? Dan and Jan. Dan and Jan. <laughs> Oh, that's my pickleball partner right there. You're going to get it, buddy, next time we play, Pat Doney. Anybody else? Anybody, anybody else when you hear the word old people? What? Gray hair. Okay. What? Okay, you're not going quite the direction I was hoping, but uh, sometimes we hear uh, senile. Slow, sick, grumpy, stubborn, stuck in their ways. When she did it in the book, that was how it was responded to in the West. But in, if you ask that question in Asia, you hear wise, loves opera, reads the grandchildren, kind, gracious, curious. It can be a lot about culture. And Japan has the largest number of centenarians per capita of any country in the world. And they, have spe they give special gifts at age 61, 77, 88, 99, 100, and 110. They even have a veneration day for older people. Here's something that's astounding, I think. Several thousand studies over a long time frame show clearly that those participants with the most positive views of aging were living on average seven and a half years longer than those who had negative views. Did you catch that? Seven and a half years longer than those with negative. Our beliefs matter. In terms of recovery from surgery or broken bones, perhaps participants holding positive beliefs about aging had a 44% greater likelihood of complete recovery than those who were negative. Positive beliefs matter. Over two decades of research made it clear that participants with positive age beliefs showed much better functional health than those of the same age with negative age beliefs. I used to tell jokes about getting old. <laughs> about myself, really, mostly. I'm not going to do that anymore. I believe this research. I believe how we believe about the future, how we believe about ourselves, really does have a, an impact. Studies show that the happiest age is 80. Dr. Levy, once again, having positive age beliefs promotes exercise and social and intellectual engagement and diminishes stress, which augment brain health. She debunks five negative age stereotypes First false assumption, 
You can't teach an old dog or an old person new tricks. You ever heard that? Fact, older folks read more, travel more, try more, learn more than lots of groups. False assumption, most older persons experience dementia. Fact, 3.6% of 65 to 75 age people have dementia. 96% do not. False. Older person's health is entirely determined by biology. Fact, positive age beliefs can add seven and a half years of vital life. False. Older people are fragile and should avoid exercise. Fact. Older people love exercise. Have I told you about pickleball yet? <laughs> you know, the courts are just being built now. There's six new courts being, there's, they're underway. They're going to add six courts out here on the back. It's not quite there yet. Yeah, older people are selfish and don't contribute to society. Older people volunteer, contribute, give generously. One, one amazing Belief, one ex- example of how positive belief uh, about people of any and all ages has led to some major positive things. In Zimbabwe, Dr. Dixon Chimanda is one of 12 psychiatrists for 14 million people. Did you catch that? One of 12 psychiatrists for 14 million people. But he noticed this woman named Kuzi, who's 80 years old, a grandmother, and she had this amazing ability to give people space to share their stories without judgment or conditions. Let me say that again. This amazing ability to give people space to share their story without judgment or conditions. And she started a program called the Friendship Bench that allowed people to do that It eased mental health stress. It was so successful, it spread to Botswana, Malawi, and Zanzibar with over 70,000 clients treated. You probably know there's a huge mental health crisis in this country, largely because there aren't enough people who will listen, who will provide the space for people to share their stories without judgment, without criticism, Accepting each other as God has loved and accepted us. How, how, how well do you listen? Do you listen well? I've got a little quiz that I pull out every now and then when I'm realizing I don't listen well. Let me ask you these four or five things. When I talk with others, my mind is completely absorbed by what they're saying and it doesn't wander. In a conversation, I hold my comments until the other person has finished talking, even though my comments may have direct relevance to what he or she is saying. Anybody do this well? I listen without judging or being critical. I always listen whenever Dan is talking. I just wanted to see if you're still awake out there. I do not finish the other person's sentence because I recognize that doing so is the same as stepping on their feet. I make it a practice not to interrupt. I'm careful to avoid anything that provides a negative connotation, raising an eyebrow, looking away, rolling my eyes, behaving restlessly, slumping, drumming my fingers, swishing my foot, yawning during the sermon. (laughs) I don't get to do this very often, so I'm going to just do it, you know. 
I just read, I had just read this part of the book about this grandmother who was such a good listener. And I pulled up to the Porte Cochet one day here to go into the office. And I saw right there on that little black bench that's right there, a grandmother visiting with a younger person. And that's what was happening. And I asked the grandmother, who's a member of this church and the young person, I said, what's that about? This is for the Human Library Project. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but it's a program here that allows people to tell their story without judgment or without condition. Wouldn't it be great if we each could give that gift to each other? How often in my life when somebody shared with me, I raise an eyebrow. <laughs> I go, ooh. Or I subconsciously question. You see, the power of positive believing, it's true of aging. It can add seven and a half years to your life, a vital life. It's true of sports. I'm not a great golfer. In fact, I'm a pretty lousy golfer, but I, I'm a really good pickleball player, if that counts. But when I stand over a putt, if I have super positive beliefs that I can make this putt, I don't always make it, but sometimes I do. But if I'm sure I can't make it, I never make it. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's true the way we view things. It's true of our job. It can bring positive energy, creativity, problem solving. It's true of relationships. How many times has a positive view of life, of other people, allowed you to push through a difficult time in your relationship to a positive? It's true of faith mission. It's true of circles. Right now there's another family getting ready to become a first-time ownership because of that. It's true of churches. Positive beliefs generate ideas and dreams, visions and plans and excitement. Some of us here know a friend of ours who's older than I, he's just been asked to take on a small church out in the country that's been sort of stagnant. And because he has positive beliefs about everything, he has a gazillion ideas and dreams and visions. That's what happens with how the generative power of positive believing I hope you can see where I've been heading with all this. It's, you see, it's also true of Christianity. At its heart, it's the most positive belief system in the world. And this understanding is needed now more than ever because so much of what passes for Christianity is a negative, it's a no. So much of it, not all, is anti-gay, anti-books, anti-science, anti-inclusion, anti-diversity, Often it's judgmental, mean, and disenclosed, and young people are leaving. And Jesus, it's the opposite of who Jesus is and what Jesus is about. And Jesus would weep over how many people are turned away because Jesus is the divine yes. Jesus is the bold affirmation and all the promises of God. That's who we are. That's our divine heritage Besides, you can't change the world with a no. You can't change a world with a no. You can't build a life on a no. You can't build a healthy society on a no. 
you can't build a healthy church on a no. You, you likely read in the newspaper or online last week or so that 55 United Methodist churches have decided to disaffiliate, leave the United Methodist Church over the issue of sexual orientation. It's a complicated matter and there's a lot involved there. But here's the, you can't build something positive and fruitful on a negative on whom you want to exclude. You can't do it. It won't work. It's contrary to the good news of Jesus. People, we who've received the unconditional love of God through Jesus, what a tragic irony that suddenly we somehow turn that around and put conditions on other people, on other people. I hope you see that I'm not talking about the power of positive believing just because the scientific research supports it, and it does, with great implications for your quality of life. I'm talking about the power of positive believing because it's the theological and spiritual bedrock of how God has made us. The divine yes is at last sounded in Christ Jesus. In Christ, all the promises of God have been revealed. If you or someone you know has been turned off by all the negative Christianity that's out there, just say no to all of that and say yes to Jesus. <laughs> because he's God's divine yes over your life and my life. So when God, someday, not the Pope, but God sits you down, places his hands on your head and looks into your eyes, God is going to say, yes, 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 you are my beloved child, just as you are, because God has already said a resounding yes in Christ Jesus. And I believe the deepest part of every one of us wants to say yes back to this kind of God. Yes. Some of you like to watch Ted Lasso. Now, I can't recommend it because the language is really bad in that show. <laughs> But uh, he has a sign. I think the sign will come up. Uh, there. And he placed that over the door of the soccer football team that he's trying to coach. He never coached soccer before. It's a part of a larger thing. Do you believe in miracles? And it's Ted's way of saying, not that I believe you win every game, but I believe in you. I believe in you players. And he has this amazing positive belief that is generative in nature. Now one of the players is Sam who's from Nigeria and he created this restaurant in England and some anti-immigrant bigots that are there just as they are here, they vandalize the restaurant in this latest issue, latest episode and practically destroyed it. And it was really particularly sad because Sam's father was just coming and he named the restaurant after his father. And he wanted to show him the restaurant, but it was devastated. And so the father is there, and that's the next scene that we'll see. Show the next slide, would you, Debbie? So there's Sam, amazing soccer player, looks small because the guy is so, his father is so big. And Sam is wondering how he's going to get back at these guys who destroyed this restaurant. And the father says, here's why you watch Ted Lasso, because there's these few gems. The father says, don't be angry. Angry weakens you. Don't fight back. Fight forward. <laughs> Isn't that priceless? Because he has the power of positive belief. So what I want you to do when you go home, make your own little sign, either in reality or in visually, Believe, 
Put it in your home somewhere. But don't think about Ted. Think about Jesus, whose life and teaching, death and resurrection are truly God's yes, spoken to every life, into every church, into every society, every place where people will dare to believe. And I promise you that the power of positive belief will add vibrancy and years to your life, energy to your dreams, power to your influence, and joy to your relationships. Isn't it good? Almighty God, we thank you that you're a God of love and power and peace. And you did say that amazing yes in Jesus. Forgive us when we've screwed it up so badly. Help us to be people who provide space for people to share their stories without judgment, but with grace and kindness. Continue to pour out your blessings on this church and each one today that we might daily say yes to you, that our biography, our autobiography, might also be a divine yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.